when you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black? Carr from under center looks downfield, fires deep, complete. Waller's got it. How about interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Henry Ruggs, the speed, touchdown, Carr with another bomb. And now your host, Evan Grote. Let's go, Raider Nation. Welcome back to Just Pod Baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Lots to get to this week here on the show. The Raiders followed up that exciting win on Monday Night Football with another really impressive victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road, no less. 2-0 right now. Derek Carr playing as well as any quarterback in the league. And if you have paid any attention to some of the national media this week, you are starting to see and hear a lot more talk and, and chatter about the Raiders as a surprise team this year across the NFL. It's still early, a long ways to go still, but the Raiders getting some early respect after a good start to the season. Glad to have you with me again this week, everybody. I am your host, Evan Grow, and you can find me on Twitter at egrot 5 If you don't follow me there, please do so. You can also find more of my thoughts, and if you're new to the podcast, if you're a new listener to the show, you can find all of my past episodes that I have done over the years over at the website, JustPodBaby.com. Feel free to reach out to me through the contact page on the website as well, uh, or you can DM me on Twitter. I love interacting with all the listeners, so please uh, don't don't hesitate to contact me at all. We do have a guest this week. We're going to be joined by Alan Poupart, who has been covering the Dolphins across various platforms since the late 80s. Currently, he is the publisher of Sports Illustrated's All Dolphins, so he knows this team as well as anybody, and we will be sure to get you a full report on the Miami Dolphins. Now, as we do every week, we've got some news and notes, and and so I want to begin there. Um, One of the things I wanted to touch on with you is Daniel Carlson. He was named AFC Special Teams Player of the Week after a 4-for-4 day that included makes from 46, 33, 41, and then he had the big one that came in the fourth quarter, which really iced the game for the Raiders. Um, And that was another 46-yarder for Carlson. And so, you know, he was really... He was the offense for Las Vegas um, in the in the first half of the game. Uh, after some struggles by the offense inside the red zone, they got it, they got um, you know into that red zone area a couple different occasions. You'd like to see them score a couple more touchdowns, uh, convert those to, to touchdowns. But um, you know with those opportunities, um, Carlson did uh, convert and he did his job and he and he did it very well. Uh, that is now the second week in a row that a Raider has won uh, Player of the Week honors. Uh, if you recall, Max Crosby won AFC Defensive Player of the Week last week, so that's that's a good sign as well. Uh, there were also some some roster transactions um, this week that I want to I wanted to get to. Uh, Nevin Lawson was released, no surprise there, with, with the emergence of, of Nate Hobbs. Uh, we, we kind of saw this coming, you know, when when we heard all the the glowing reports uh, coming out of training camp um, in regards to. Uh, Nate Hobbs, and so uh, they say goodbye to Nevin Lawson. Um, also, Markel Lee, he was let go uh, after just 
he was only with the team for a, a very, very short time. He was active on Sunday. I saw him off there on getting a couple special teams uh, snaps, but they move on from him. Trey Regis and Lester Cotton were reverted back to the practice squad after being um, called up for this past week. Um, and then they, they also signed another offensive lineman. Uh, Jackson Barton is his name. Uh, don't know a whole lot about uh, this, this kid, Jackson Barton, uh, but here is a little bit of information on him for you. He's 6'7", 302 pounds. He's a former 2019 seventh-round draft pick with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he's bounced around on a couple of different rosters from the Colts to the Chiefs to the Giants before landing uh, in Las Vegas, and, and Barton has not yet taken an NFL snap. So, um, you know, re- relatively young and in inexperienced player, and, and they add him to the uh, the roster, you know, as a depth signing, as a depth signing. Um, and, and, of course, that move comes after uh, Alex Leatherwood did not finish the game last week on Sunday in Pittsburgh with uh, what's being reported as a lower back injury. Uh, the good news is, though, that Leatherwood did practice uh, this week, uh, He and he does appear, unless there's a setback, he does appear to be on track. More on that uh, in segment two when, when I discuss the injury report. Uh, and, and then the final note that I have here that I wanted to get to at the top is, you know, it looks like the national media is, is starting to give the Raiders some respect. And I know that's shocking to, to many of you out there, right? And I, I'm not one of those fans who tends to get all worked up about the lack of respect or the attention uh, that the Raiders, uh, you know, don't get nationally or, or do or do not get nationally, right? They don't get a whole lot of attention, right? And they they do get a lot of uh, disrespect. But, you know, whether it's ESPN and some of the characters they have on their channel, like Max Kellerman or, you know, Colin Cowherd is another guy who tends to uh, be a little hard on the Raiders. There, there's various... Um, you know, people out there, and, and and you know, these guys are with with um, outlets who you know they don't really cover the Raiders exclusively, right? I mean, ESPN doesn't cover just the Raiders; they cover all the teams. And and, and Colin Coward, he's no uh, expert on the Raiders, so I I don't really think those people have a real pulse on what's going on with the organization. You know, fans like you and I. We're smart enough. We understand. We rely on the people who are close to the situation to, to form our opinions, and, and so that's that's why I, you know, I just don't get all wrapped up in that. And, and while um, maybe they might be surprised by the start that the Raiders are, are are off to, you know, we're not. Now, did I think that the Raiders were going to start out this well? Did I think they were going to be two and zero? No, I didn't. I did not. Um, did I expect Derek Carr? to uh, be playing as well as, as he did in the first few games? No, <laughs> I, I also didn't expect that. Did I expect the defensive line to be this good uh, out of the gate? No, I, I did not. But um, I, I knew I at least knew the potential was there for some of these things to occur. Um, so if, if you listened, again, if you have listened to any national radio or, or read any coverage, you are seeing a lot of chatter about the Raiders and you know it's uh it's flattering right as as a fan of the team it's always good when your team um you know becomes relevant again and and so that that's that's a that's a good sign I saw um Pete Prisco uh, one guy to, to throw a name out there he's senior NFL columnist uh at cbssportsline.com he released his power rankings uh this week he had the Raiders at number eight I mean so you know top ten that that's a that's that's good that's really good and, and it's deserving too it's very well deserved they've they've beat two good teams and so they deserve to be in the top ten 
Uh, he also mentioned Derek Carr, you know, in his early, very early uh, MVP conversation. And uh, I also listened to a lot of Sirius XM radio. I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. If any of you New Yorkers are uh, uh, a listener of this show, I'm sure you're well aware of who, who Chris Russo is. He has Peter King on every week during the football season, and they too were also talking about the Raiders. So, as I said, it's fun to see your team getting the credit they deserve, being kind of relevant on the national stage, and um, it's it's great to have some headlines um, being talked about for a positive reason right uh so that's always nice and i wanted to get that out there i'm sure all of you have taken notice uh to that as well um you know also this week i was doing um, some thinking and i want to kind of share with you my thoughts about how the raiders have gotten off to this 2-0 start and, and and focusing on how they've gone about getting there um the improved defense especially from pass rush uh, standpoint, the defensive line that has been a major part of it. There's, there's no doubt about it. But the, but the offense, um, you know, has also continued to play um, as well as they did last year. We know they were a top ten unit last year, and they've, they've continued that uh, so far early in the season. I think they're playing very well. Derek Carr, though, he, he, he has carried the offense. It's, it's really been about Derek Carr. He, he put his cape on. And he said, guys, hop on, let's go. And he's playing out of his mind right now. And, you know, he leads, just to throw some numbers out there, he leads the NFL in passing, 817 yards, four touchdowns, and he's averaging 8.8 yards uh, per attempt, which is eighth in the NFL. All great stats there. And the most impressive thing, uh, to me anyways, uh, and I'm sure you would agree, about what Carr has been able to do is the fact that he isn't getting any help from the run game. I mean, absolutely a non-factor from the run game. And the offensive line is young, as we know. I've talked a lot about it, the young offensive line. But they're also playing out without um, the starting guards, right? Uh, Richie Incognito still has not taken a snap yet. Denzel Good was lost um, in in the first game. And so... uh, you know, we're, what we're seeing from Carr is uh, it's elite level uh, stuff that we're seeing from him, and he deserves all the praise and all the the accolades that he's getting right now. Uh, very well deserved, and and it's not, you know, wh- what I where I kind of want to go with this conversation is, and I and I hope it doesn't come off as as being negative because um, that that's definitely not where I'm trying to go, and you know, I, I'm not looking at it from a glass half empty um, point of view, but what I'm wondering and and I'm I'm going to pose this question is can the offense and can Derek Carr maintain this level of play you know is this sustainable um I, I think it's a fair question that needs to be discussed I really do you know it's the offensive line that worries me you know I I how I feel so I'm not going to bore you with you know that conversation that I've had many times on here but the injuries continue to to take a toll and um, the run game just just has not got going yet. Josh Jacobs looks like he's going to miss another game. He hasn't practiced yet this week, so I, I don't anticipate he'll play. Um, the Raiders right now they're tied for thirty first uh, in in rushing offense. So interestingly enough, real, real quick, kind of a side note, they're tied with Tampa Bay right now as the thirty first uh, rushing offense in the league. Both of them are averaging sixty seven yards per game, and I think it's. It's kind of interesting because if you were to ask someone, um, you know, are you are you at all concerned about the Tampa Bay offense? 
most people would tell you, no way. I mean, they look great. They're going to light it up. And a lot of people probably aren't as concerned um, about the lack of run game for the Bucks. But I think when you think about the Raiders, we know Gruden, he wants to be more balanced in his offense. He wants to he wants to be more uh, productive on the ground. And, and I know that if, if, if we were to sit here and talk to him right now, he would tell us, oh, you know, we were able to run the ball when we needed to last week uh, against the Steelers. And, you know, they were able to pick up a couple crucial first downs. Um, you know, I'm sure he would tell us that, right? But deep down inside, you know that he wants to get that run game going. He does. I mean, that's that's what he loves to do. He, he has a run-first offense, um, although we've seen a lot of pass attempts this uh, so far this year, and they've been leading, leaning more so uh, on the armor Derek Carr. But I just wonder if, if Derek Carr is being asked to do a little too much right now, um, you know, and, and can he do it? For a full season, yes, he has done it for a couple games here now, and I, I think he can do it for a couple more games. But I just don't know if if um, this is a, is a recipe for long term success. So that is that is the question that um, I I keep asking myself. Um, and, and you may be surprised to hear me say that I think right now, anyways, at least at this point um, in the season, the defense is is more likely to be uh, the more reliable unit. I think the way things are going, they're a little bit more built to last. And some of you may agree with that. Others may not agree. But in my opinion, they are the healthier unit right now. I think we we can all agree the defensive line is legit. I don't think this is anything that, um, you know, pending any injuries, I think this pass rush should continue to be very good all year long. They've got some proven uh, veterans on that defense that are um, – you know, mixed in with some of these young guys. And, and I think the scheme we, we have seen over the years that the scheme is proven. And and also I think the defense, um, when you think about the defense, they are the unit that they just needed to be a little bit better. They just needed to show a little bit of improvement in order to help this team win. We didn't need to see them become a top 10 defense, right? We just needed them to be a little bit better than they were. And this team was going to win more games. Um, but it's the offense that needed to stay the course. They needed to maintain, you know, top 10, top 15, I think, in order to, um, you know, uh, have a successful season and, and get to that double-digit uh, win total and possibly into the playoffs. Now, I worried, I worried, if you recall, um, before the season began on, on the podcast, I worried there could be a setback with the offense, and, and that was part of the reason for my 9-8 and eight projection. So far, I have been wrong. There has not been a setback uh, on the offense, with the exception of the run game, right? But the passing game has been so good, it's made up for the lack of uh, rushing attack. But, but uh, you know, they, they have been excellent. Uh, but again, I do wonder, will it last without some help from, the, from a healthy offensive line? How many more injuries can they take? Yes, Leatherwood looks like he's going to play, but is he going to be 100%? Is this going to be an issue that nags him the rest of the year? And, and, you know, what happens if they lose one one more guy from that offensive line? What if Richie Incognito does not play a snap this year? So those are all valid concerns, I think. Um, and, you know, I'd really like to know what you guys think about that. DM me on Twitter. Hit me up on the contact page at JustPodBaby.com and let me know what you think. Is this offense, um, the way things are getting done right now, is this sustainable uh, for the long term? Let me know what you think. Okay, so there you go. Uh, the table's been set, and there's some some topics for you to chew on, but it is time for me to get to a commercial break, and when I return, I will go over the Thursday injury report 
and we will welcome our guest, Alan Poupart, to the show. Don't go anywhere. Lots to still do here on Just Pod Baby, brought to you by VegasSportsToday.com. Want to get involved in the show? Yeah, man. Tweet at Evan at egrowth5 with your comments or questions. I love the Raiders. And most of all, I love the win. This is Just Pod, baby. Part of the Vegas Sports Today podcast network. Touchdown, Vegas. Let's go, Raider Nation. A lot of challenges. I mean, they're really a good defense. They have great corners that can handle the the one-on-one burden, the pressure of uh, covering a guy with no help for a long time. Howard and Jones are two of the best in the league, and Coleman is a guy that's got a lot of experience in his slot, and um, Rowe is a former corner that can cover uh, as well. So they have the people that can cover, and they have a coach that is uh, very well-versed in how to get home and create problems with protection, so it's it's a real challenge for us. And welcome back to segment two, Just Pod Baby. And there you heard the voice uh, bringing us back in of John Gruden, the head coach, talking about the the very tough defense of the Miami Dolphins. They've got a good group of cornerbacks that you're aware of, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard, uh, two of the top cornerbacks in the league. Uh, But Derek Carr, last year, he did have success against this defense, 336 yards through the air. So let's hope that he is able to find that same level of success again uh, this year. Now, what I want to do here before we bring in our guest is, as I do every week, I want to go through that injury report, the Thursday report. Uh, I do have it here in front of me. We'll start with the Dolphins. Uh, Nothing real notable other than Tua Tagovailoa, of course, who is going to miss that game uh, with the rib injury that he suffered against Buffalo. Um, Jakeem Grant Jr., who is a wide receiver, kind of a special teams guy for them. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday with an ankle. Um, Emmanuel Agba, who's one of their defensive ends, one of their star pass rushers, has been dealing with a growing injury, but he did practice in full both days. Devontae Parker, who is a uh, wide receiver of theirs, very good wide receiver of theirs, uh, is listed with a shoulder, but he was full both days as well. Uh, and, and so everything looks pretty pretty good for them, really pretty uh, boring report. And then you look at the Raiders again, it's like the walking uh, wounded here. Uh, Just a ton of guys listed on the report here for the second time in a row. Uh, I'm going to throw out some more notable um, names here on the report. Now we know Derek Carr, he gave us the scare last week when he went down, he was slow to get up. Uh, we, We learned that it was the ankle, the same ankle that he broke in 2016, but good news. He practiced in full both days this week, Wednesday and Thursday, so he's going to play, and you know, you knew he was going to play. The guys, you know, he has shown toughness throughout his career, so there was never a doubt for me. Richie Incognito, he continues uh, to be a DNP, did not practice again this week, and I'm starting to, I'm really starting to question whether or not we're going to see Richie Incognito this season. I just, I'm just getting bad vibes. I just really am. Um, uh, Josh Jacobs also did not practice. Now there were some reports, there were some kind of some mixed reports out there from some of the beat writers on Thursday that he was in a red, uh, no contact jersey out in the field during the warm up portion, but was later listed as a did not practice. So um, doesn't look like he'll play again this week. Nick Kwiatkowski, who uh, missed last week's game with a concussion that he suffered in Week One, he was limited 
both days this week. Also, Dallin Levitt, he suffered that concussion um, against the Steelers. He did not practice this week, so he'll likely be out. Alex Leatherwood, who did leave the game last week with a back injury, uh, some, some good signs from him. He practiced in full both days, Wednesday and Thursday, so he should be in the lineup as well. Carl Nassib, who's been very good, uh, as a rotational pass rusher, dealing with that same pectoral and toe injury that he was listed on the report with last week, limited both Wednesday and Thursday, so it's good signs for him. Yannick Ngakwe, who who gave it a go last week, he toughed it out, only played in, in 25 snaps, I think it was, limited number of snaps uh, after being kind of limited in practice all week. He, he, again, was limited on Wednesday, but a full full practice in on Thursday. Hopefully he's getting closer to... Um, you know, full strength, I guess we could say. Darius Phylon, he also played limited snaps last week, was was not 100%. He gave it a go. Uh, didn't have a huge impact on the game, but he's shown some toughness by at least getting out there. He was limited uh, both days this week. Hopefully he'll be able to give it a go. So um, those are some other guys who... Um, oh, and there's one other that I, I think is worth noting. Uh, I saw some tweets again from the beat reporters. Jonathan Abram... Uh, He's listed on the report actually with an Achilles, and he did practice in full. But you know, I saw videos of him limping off the field during the warm-up portion of practice on Thursday. He later uh, returned to practice. Didn't look as as like he was moving, uh, you know, all that fast. But he was out there practicing. So I do think maybe that's something to monitor a, a little bit, at, um, you know, Friday and, and and into the weekend just to see. Uh, officially what his status will be. I do expect him to play, but hopefully this isn't something that will will, will slow him down or, or limit him uh, in the game uh, at all. And so that is your Thursday injury report for the Raiders and the Dolphins. And let's just hope and pray that there are not any more new names added to this list because it's just uh, uh, this long. This list is, is long enough as it is, and this team needs to start getting healthy. So uh, what I do want to do now is, though, I want to go out to the, the guest line and welcome in Alan Poupart, who is publisher of Sports Illustrated's uh, All Dolphins. He's here with us to preview this Sunday's game with the Dolphins. Alan has covered the Dolphins since 1989, so he knows this team as well as anyone out there. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Alan, thanks for joining us, and, and welcome to Just Pod, baby. No, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, Alan, uh, I, I, obviously I've been doing a lot of reading uh, leading up uh, to this week's game, uh, and I think we I want to start with the big story for the Dolphins, and that is the offensive line play. It's been an issue for for them for many years now. Uh, they've invested uh, heavily with draft capital to try to upgrade the talent at the position. They, they've had a carousel of coaches on the offensive line, and nothing has seemed to work for them. And it really, it came to a head for them last week versus uh, Buffalo giving up six sacks, one of which resulted in the starting quarterback, Tua, uh, suffering the rib injury. He'll be out for this week's game. And, and now they enter um, you know, the game versus the Raiders uh, with the backup quarterback facing a defensive line that has really been getting after the quarterback led by Max Crosby and his league-leading uh, uh, number of pressures. How big of a challenge is it going to be for the Miami offensive line, and and, and do you expect them to respond uh, after last week's embarrassing performance? Well, the bright side for the Dolphins is it can't be any worse than it was last Sunday uh, because you know, it, was, it was brutal. They couldn't protect, as you mentioned. They, they got to Tango Valle and knocked out of the game. They got Jacoby Brissett hit constantly as well, uh, and it was really, really bad. And even in your worst nightmare, 
I'm not sure that there's anything that could be as bad as that. I mean, it was just, it was just brutal. So I do get the feeling that they'll have some kind of response because you're dealing with professional athletes who have a lot of pride, you know, have a lot of ego, and their ego took a beating in that game because they, they got they got beat up pretty good. So and, and also schematically, I think the Dolphins coaches are going to come up with different things to try to help out the offensive line, which clearly is struggling in pass protection. You may also see some lineup changes, even though we, we might not know until game day who's starting where on that offensive line and how many changes there will be. But they're obviously going to try different things after what happened last week. Now, will they they play better? I, I do think the offensive line will be better than it was against Buffalo. Whether that's going to be good enough to stymie the, the Raiders pass rush, which has been really, really good early in the 2021 season, whether that's good enough to have the Dolphins pull out a win in Vegas, that I don't know. And I think it might be a stress because it's a bad matchup. But I do believe that the offensive line will show some signs of improvement. Now, I just mentioned the uh, injury to Tua. So it's going to be Jacoby Brissett who steps in this week as the guy. Uh, and he does have some starting experience in the league, but do you expect there to be any tweaks uh, to the offense with Brissett under center rather than Tua? Well, it's a question that was asked of Brian Flores on uh, Monday or Wednesday. I forget one of those two. Excuse <clears throat> me. And he basically swears that other than Brissett being a righty and Tua being a lefty, no everything's going to be the same on offense. I'm not sure I completely buy that because they're just two different quarterbacks. I think with Brissett, you're more likely to see passes thrown downfield than you would be with Tua. And conversely, I'm not sure you're going to see as many of those, those quick-hitting slants that you would see with Tua with Brissett at quarterback because that's not necessarily his for a case. So I do expect there to be some tweaks. Again, I think then the biggest difference you're going to see is I think the Dolphins will take maybe more shots downfield on a consistent basis with Brissett. Yeah, now speaking of taking some of those shots, um, you know, we know the struggles on the offensive line, but they did bring in some speed and some playmakers at the wide receiver position. Um, I know that uh, Will Fuller is expected to make his first appearance this this season. Could you talk to us about some of the weapons that Bursette will be throwing the ball to and, and some of the guys that we should be keeping an eye on? Yeah, gladly. Uh, well, you mentioned Will Fuller, and this not only is the debut, but his Dolphin debut his long-awaited Dolphin debut. He didn't play in week one because he was finishing out the suspension he got last year when he was a member of the Texans. And then in week two, he had his much publicized um, issue where he basically left the team for a few days to deal with a personal matter. He's been back this week. The expectation is he will play. How much he'll be able to contribute right away remains to be seen because he didn't do a whole lot of practicing in the summer because he was dealing with some minor injury. But he's a guy who, once he gets back to snuff, is going to bring another uh, element of speed to that offense, and it'll be a big factor. Now, beyond him, the the team's top pick in the 2021 draft was Jalen Waddle to his teammate at Alabama. And so far, he's looked really impressive in terms of being able to make things happen. He's been a factor in the passing game big time. He's four catches in each of the first two games. There have been issues with drops both in training camp and last Sunday against Buffalo, but he wasn't the only one against Buffalo because the whole wide receiver as a whole was pretty bad. Uh, beyond those two, 
Uh, Albert Wilson is back after opting on 2020. He's another speedy guy. Then you have the guys back from last year, and those include Devontae Parker, who is really, really good, but has had problems staying healthy throughout his NFL career since arriving in 2015 as a first-round pick. And then you have uh, Preston Williams, who made his season debut last uh, last week, had been dealing with a foot injury all the way back from last November uh, at a time when he was really coming out in his second season. And he's another, like Parker, a big body who can make the contested catches. So they do have a lot of of what should be quality guys on wide receiver. Again, they didn't play well last week against Buffalo. It wasn't just the offensive line. The wide receiver core also was bad, but there is an awful lot of depth and a lot of a lot of options for the quarterback in the passing game. Alan Pupart, uh, publisher of Sports Illustrated's All Dolphins, is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. You know, last year, uh, a strength of this Dolphins team was the defense. They were a top six uh, unit in points allowed, and, and they led the NFL in takeaways. Now, it's a small sample size here. Only only uh, two games have been played this year, but are we seeing any of those traits from last year's defense carry over to this year's unit? Yeah, it looks an awful lot like what we saw last year. The one difference so far is I don't think you've seen the pass rush be quite as disruptive as it was last year. Dolphins have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, two sacks in the first two games, which is not a very high number, obviously. But it's a defense that, like last year, and again, you mentioned this, it is a small sample, sample size, I should say. But in those first two games, the defense has given up yardage, but they've been good situationally, and they've, again, created turnovers. They had two takeovers against doing this and in the opener, including the one that sealed the win late. And then they had two takeaways against Buffalo uh, last Sunday. And I would tell you that the defense, once Buffalo uh, took that quick 14-0 in the first quarter with that little, little blitz action with the 46-yard touchdown run, and then it was a 30-yard pass that set them up for a second score. Well, at, from that point on, the rest of the first half, the Dolphin defense really shut down Josh Allen and the Bills and gave the offense – every opportunity to put points on the scoreboard and to make it a game to close the gap from that 14, nothing deficit in the offense got into Buffalo territory several times, just couldn't get it done. And then the second half, the field, the wheels fell off once Buffalo scored on the second half uh, after taking the second half kickoff. But I would say that overall the defense wasn't terrible, but it's, it does look an awful lot like it looked last year, which is a unit that's going to get up some yardage. But that's going to be good situationally, whether it's third down, whether it's red zone, and that's certainly going to come up with turnovers. And interesting enough, this is now the third week in a row that the Raiders, they're going to be facing a defense that likes to to bring the pressure. I, I was looking at some numbers. In 2020, Miami ranked second in blitz percentage, and this year they are currently third in that statistical category. Uh, so how effective uh, ha- has the blitz been for the Dolphins so far this year and their pass rush? Yeah, no, as I mentioned, it's not just the fact that they only have two sacks. They, they have not been as disruptive as they were last year. And last year, I don't know exactly where they ranked in number of sacks, but even when they, were, they weren't getting at, to the quarterback, they were affecting the quarterback very negatively. And in the first two games, I would tell you that uh, at times in the opener, they, they were causing Mac Jones some problems, but not very consistently, and the same uh, same thing happened in week two against Josh Allen. So I think that's an area of the team that needs to pick up. And 
the one guy who led the team in the sacks last year was Emmanuel Agba, and he's he's been disruptive in terms of the pass rush. But other guys have not yet produced the same kind of activity that they did last year. And the two guys I'm thinking of specifically are two linebackers, Jerome Baker and Andrew Van Ginkle. So if, if those two guys could get going, I think that obviously would significantly help this Dolphin pass rush. Now there's a couple of um, younger players that I want to ask you about, and, and they were they were a couple of prospects who during draft season last year I was really intrigued with, mostly because the Raiders needed players at these positions as well. And the, and the Dolphins took two of those guys who I was intrigued with, Jalen Phillips uh, out of the University of Miami, the defensive end, and then Javon Holland, who is the, the safety out of Oregon. And, and so I'm, I haven't had a, a ton of time to watch uh, their tape, but how have those two rookies looked uh, thus far in this young season? Uh, they have looked actually quite different. Jalen Phillips has gotten off to a very, very slow start. He was set back a little bit in training camp with an injury, got back, and the Dolphins are asking him to do an awful lot of different things, rush the passer, drop in coverage, set the edge. And he spoke to the media this week and was basically saying that uh, literally admitted that he wasn't quite as comfortable or completely comfortable just yet, but that it, it was coming, that it was going to take a little bit of time. And what she's seeing is a guy who looks like he's playing and thinking a whole lot and playing like he doesn't want to make like an assignment mistake. So he, he's not gotten a ton of snaps. He's played 40 snaps in the first two games and really hasn't been very noticeable on the field. So, so far it's been a very slow start for him. But as you mentioned, he's got an awful lot of, of physical attributes. Uh, I think I think in, in time, hopefully sooner rather than later for the Dolphins, he'll become an impact defender. Javon Holland, on the other hand, from the start of training camp, just did nothing but make plays and be around the ball. And the guy's got a clear knack for making plays. And even in the first two games, he was part of a tackle that produced a fumble by, by Patriots tight end Johnny Smith, even though New England recovered. The, the fumble eventually, the fourth fumble was credited to Byron Jones, but it was Byron Jones stripping the ball from the side while Javon Hahn was ready to deliver a low tackle on Smith that produced the play. And then against the Bills on Sunday, uh, Holland forced two third down incompletions with, with blitzes, and he also recovered a fumble that was recovered by, that was originally a Buffalo fumble that was recovered by a teammate who fumbled, and then Holland got the recovery. And in training camp, I counted four interceptions, and we're, I don't know exactly the number of plays, but four interceptions during the training camp tells you that the guy just makes plays, and it is clear he's got a knack. He started the second game of the year after coming off the bench in the first game and got an awful lot of snaps. So, uh, yeah, he's made a very, very good and very quick impression. Interesting. Good stuff there. Uh, a final question I have for you, Alan. You know, right now it looks like the line on the game has the Raiders as a four and a half point favorite. Um, give us one, one or two things that you think has to go right uh, in order for Miami to win this game on the road in Las Vegas. Uh, to me, I think it comes down to one thing because I have a hard time because of the offensive line, and again, even if they play better than they played against Buffalo, which I expect, I still have a hard time seeing the Dolphins as they're currently constituted 
putting up a ton of points against the Raiders. And that Raider offense is really, really good. And it's going to be hard to completely shut him down. What I do think could make the difference, and I would go back as an example to a game the Dolphins played against the L.A. Rams last year in Miami, where it was Tua's first NFL start. He passed for 93 yards the entire game, except that the Dolphins got a fumble return for a touchdown. They got a punt return for a touchdown, and they had a touchdown drive that started at the one-yard line after a fumble return. So to me, I think the most logical path to victory for the Dolphins, if they are to pull off the the upset at Vegas, and I think it would be clearly an upset, would be with a big special teams play, a big turnover, a pick six, uh, something to that effect. I I, I think if it's just who comes, who moves the ball better, I think that's a losing battle for the Dolphins. But I I, and they they do have. The team to do it because they they've done it in the past. They did it last year, and they have a lot of the same cast of characters. So uh, it can be done, and I think that's their their most logical path to a win. Yeah, and I and I think the Raiders probably. Uh... Uh, not going to let the, the the memory of of last year's uh, debacle, uh, you know, how the Raiders had a meltdown there at the end of the game last year to the Dolphins. I'm sure that's something that's going to be brought up uh, plenty this week in practice as they get ready for uh, the, the Week 3 matchup here. But, uh, Alan, uh, thank you so much for giving us some of your time tonight. You did an excellent job giving us uh, a rundown of the Dolphins. Uh, I appreciate your help, and uh, I hope you enjoy the game this weekend. Well, I hope you enjoy the game as well, Evan. Thank you. All right, that was our guest, Alan Poupart uh, of Sports Illustrated's All Dolphins. He gave us a nice little rundown there. You're all prepared now for the game. And I do think I agree with him uh, on his key to the game for Miami. Uh, The way the Raiders' passing offense right now is firing on all cylinders, I do think uh, one of the ways that Miami could keep this game close is if they are able, if they are fortunate enough to uh, create some turnovers, and, and that would probably keep this game a little closer um, and they are one of the better teams at creating turnovers. That's one of their strengths is is uh, is taking the ball away from the other team. So I do agree with him on that point. But that being said, I do expect this to be a, a convincing win for the Raiders. That's just how I see it playing out. And I know that the line is at 4.5 right now in favor of the Raiders, but I would not be surprised to see a double-digit win uh, for Las Vegas. In fact, that's what I'm expecting. I'm expecting nothing less than a 8-10 to 10 point win. Uh, so that is my prediction for this week. The Raiders easily handle Miami to get the 3-0, setting up a... Uh, Really big primetime matchup. The first division opponent next week uh, in the Chargers. First things first, though. I don't want to look ahead one week at a time. Uh, the Raiders need to take care of business this week and then keep things rolling uh, into week four, as I said, hopefully at 3-0. and And speaking of rolling, it is time for me to roll on out of here, guys. Uh, I look forward to speaking with you again next week, hopefully discussing the 3-0 and team, the Raiders. Until then, I am your host, Evan Grote. Thanks for joining me. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and as always... Just win, baby.